favorite scary movie. Fear is defined as a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? For fun? Most people are so Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Inside Movies Galore. I'm your host uh, for the evening, and here we have in the room the Inside Movies Galore crew. Hello, everyone. Hey. So, so uh, Dustin, uh, did you want to get uh, get any commentary in uh, from the uh, last week? Since uh, 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 before we begin on this, um, well, uh, last week I was unconscious, and for. Uh, our episode on Manhunter, which I was very excited about. 
so I don't know what we said about it, uh, but it's like a spectacular masterpiece of like suspense, drama, and great music. Like it's it's hard to summarize how good the movie is in just like a few paragraphs. Like everything works. And even even though Anthony Hopkins is like everybody's image of Hannibal Lecter, like whoever that other guy was, he did a great job. So, I mean, I love almost everything about Manhunter. And I kind of wish I had skipped this week's movie instead, because holy shit, this British movie was so boring. <laughs> All right. It wasn't British. <laughs> Same difference. Uh, the uh, the name of the movie that uh, we're going to discuss tonight is called Whatever Happened to Aunt Alice. And it is directed by um, two directors, in fact. It's uh, directed by Lee H. Katzen and Bernard Gerard. Uh, and Gerard is actually more uh, relatively known for uh, some Western, some, uh, uh, he's known for uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, directing behind some of the Alfred Hitchcock hour, uh, uh, some wagon trains, some Virginian, uh, in, in any case, these two directors get together and direct this film in 1969. Now, uh, can anyone tell me what this film is about? I did my research this week. I actually read a plot synopsis, so I'd be prepared in case you asked me to nice. do it. Katie, uh, why don't you yeah. a little bit yeah, about all right, so our main character um, finds out that her husband has passed away and has basically left her with nothing but debt. Um, and she kind of freaks out, what am I going to do? How am I going to live? Um, and the guy she's talking to who presents her husband's will or whatever asks her if she has any family. And she mentions a uh, nephew in Tucson. Well, she ends up going out and this nephew puts her up in a house somewhere, and um, her little money-making scheme is to hire maids, elderly maids that, um, you know, have money and uh, not really a lot of family or anything, and um, she kind of takes their money and kills them, basically, and that's how she, that's her little livelihood, and she uh, buries them in her garden under pine trees, basically, okay. and... Um, there's a little twist, but I won't spoil it. But that's the basic plot of the movie. Okay. And um, I've, heard, I've heard stupid plans before, but good God, bejesus! Like that was her rob the maids. Like that. Uh. So, uh, 1969, kind of. Was this your first time watching this? This was my first time ever seeing this movie. Yes, and um, yeah, I liked it. I thought. Um, it's I I enjoyed um, Rosemary's Baby quite a bit, and there is an actress uh, Ruth Gordon was in Rosemary's Baby as well. She was like the real like colorful, flamboyant neighbor lady in the apartment building. Um, so and she played the Mrs. Demick character in this movie. Um, yes, and I thought her performance was really good. It reminded me a lot of. I mean, she was a lot more toned down in this movie, but she's like a good actress. You know, I don't know a lot about actors and actresses from the 60s. You know, I didn't, I don't have a lot of 60s movies under my belt. So I recognized her. So right away I was like, okay, I was interested. 
Um, and the main character, the Mrs. Marable, Geraldine Page did an excellent job as well. Like I kept I, paying attention to like her facial expressions and her just, yeah, she, she did a really good job just um, portraying that crazy old bat. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, Brandon, uh, why don't you tell me a little, uh, 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 was this your first time watching this film? Brandon. Captain Sins, where are you? Sorry, right. I had, uh, I had to uh, go attend to something. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so, uh, was this your first time watching the film? Uh, actually, yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> this was my first time actually watching the film. And um, I, I, I admit, it kind of, it almost gave me an arsenic and old lace feel. Okay. To it. And uh, did you enjoy it? Uh, I, I enjoyed it reasonably well. Okay. Uh, did you have any uh, faults that uh, that you uh, that you saw that uh, that you uh, you didn't like about the film? Uh, I, I felt like the. Um... I felt like the film went on for a little bit longer than I would have uh, wanted in some places. I felt like that the point was already uh, driven home fairly early on. So I felt like they were dragging it out for suspense, and it um, so it dragged a little bit towards the middle. Okay. Agreed. Like, But um, I, I did think, though, that the end, or actually the part that struck me the most, uh, pun intended, uh, was the uh, part when she murdered the first person and, and buried the tree. <laughs> Eat shovel, bitch. <laughs> and that was something to me that was just like, uh, that took me off guard because I was just sitting there trying to make sure that I stay awake late, late at night, trying to watch through it. Um, I watched it in several parts because of time constraints. And then came that part and it just like caught me off guard like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Red Raven, um, was this a, a first time watching the film? Yeah, this was my first time watching it, and, um, I didn't like it very much. I thought it was okay, but, I mean, like Dustin was saying, it was, it dragged on at times, and it was, I felt like, uh, it was just kind of boring, you know, there's times where it just was just like a lot of dialogue and nothing was really going on. And it, it, the thing that I, that really annoyed me was some of the music in it was like real organy and violin-y and that got a kind of got on my nerves during the movie watching that. Hmm. Okay. Um, when I first saw that, uh, this, I thought I saw this uh, film 10 years ago um, and uh, it was when I picked it up uh, and I hadn't watched it since. And then suddenly I remembered it because I remembered the performance of uh, Miss Geraldine Page in it. And uh, how uh, uh, the reason why I wanted to uh, discuss this is because you don't see a lot of female uh, contenders, com female actors that are, you know, in, in the sense of being a killer. You know, uh, I, I mean, uh, th these were uh, these were the times where, you know, uh, uh, that 
there weren't that many lead, uh, strong lead psychopathic females. From I think that's what I like the most about this movie was that her character um, and being as resourceful as she was considering this is 1969 and I'm just trying to imagine what, what womanhood looked like in 1969, what a woman of her age, what her typical role would be. I mean, they show her very, um, you know, the fact that, oh, my, my husband left me with nothing. Like, what am I going to do? My only my only option is to kill people, you know, like <laughs> don't have, God forbid she get a job, you know, like that was the kind of that time period of in a woman of her age, you know, it wouldn't even make sense. Like today you would say, well, yeah, just go get a job. Why is this your last resort? But, you know, at that point in time, maybe it was. And um, I think, I, I just thought it was a cool um, angle because I think um, aging women don't get enough play in Hollywood movies like you would never see a movie made like that today they would replace it with a younger woman you know the the older aging woman wouldn't get that showcase I don't think today like in the way that this movie was made well and, and that the two main women women were old women I like that well and I think this came it came at a, a Point in time where uh, where they were do, uh, starting to do that type of thing, like uh, I, I think either it, it was later on or, or earlier than this that they did whatever happened to Baby Jane mm -hmm. with uh, with Betty Page and uh, um, uh, another actress that uh, uh, that and you could tell that the, uh, we don't know her name. Uh, yeah, right, right off. Uh, Right offhand, um, I, I I know the film. Uh, 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 film, I and uh, there's always a chemist uh, chemistry that uh, that I I can feel if you know, that is going on in in this uh, film. Like a chem, uh, the way that uh, that oh. I saw Geraldine Page uh, Page's character is, is uh, she made me hate her. Oh yeah, absolutely. She did she, a great job with that. Made me hate her, and that is what I enjoyed about this film. I mean, it, 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 she had that snooty, uh, snooty, turn up your nose and looking down at you, like you're just that scary little ant running around, uh, running across the ground. I will stomp you because <laughs> because you are beneath me. Uh, you know, uh, she that. definitely owned every scene she was in. She was like the highlight of pretty much every scene. I don't know that she was outacted and by I, anybody. I in the whole movie. She, well, she was like the only living thing in most scenes. <laughs> well, and the part that I remember the most is when she found out that you know her her stamp collection uh, 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 and that she had inherited would have you know would have covered most of her financial worries and when she just slightly went mad right after that was the best twist i love that such a <laughs> subtle twist but really good a really good punch like ha huh, yeah. you didn't have to do any of this lady you crazy dustin, old dingbat you dustin was this I your know. first time watching the film i felt that that was just kind of a um i thought it was bad um yeah this is my first time seeing the movie <laughs> I watched it a few hours ago, um, 
How long was this? Like, it felt like two and a half, but I'm, I'm getting I'm wrong, right? It was like right around two. Yeah, it was right around okay. two. Oh, great. It, it wasn't as unpleasant as, uh, I mean. As it felt? Yeah, I mean, it just, almost none of it worked for me. I mean, I don't know. I don't think, I think it may be a function of, like, older features. Because I can't really think of anything from the 60s off the top of my head that I enjoy. It's almost like a dead zone period um, for movies that I enjoy, at least. Um, I mean, it was well shot. Like, I thought the music was okay. Um, I thought the story was flatly stupid uh, like I did I did get a good laugh at the shovel thing because it comes why? out of like left field what was that I think what I actually think? shouted what the fuck at the explain why you think the the story was stupid according to you uh, because it seemed very I think just disjointed might be the right word it's like it kind of jumps in. You get very minimal explanation as to what's going on. Like 10 minutes into it, I had to. So I started out like paying attention and watching it. And about 10 minutes in, I had to go read the plot synopsis because I was like, where the hell is that? What the hell is happening? Well, it's all in the dialogue. You know, most of getting you set up for what she's doing is in the dialogue. And you have to pay real close attention to that. Like when she's talking to that guy who comes to see her after her husband dies, it's like pretty much that conversation sets up the plot of the movie. Oh you know, yeah, she's, she's oh, broke yeah. and she's living in Tucson, Arizona, with the long lost nephew that she barely knows. Well, well, one thing for me was like robbing maids. Like, yeah, they're they're but, old. But and who else does she have access to? Think about it, right? Like that's what I was saying. Like how she's this you know, older, retired age woman in the 60s. What is she doing? Like, her husband's dead. She clearly has no kids or, like, grandkids to take care of. Like, what is she doing? She's not a career woman. She's not out doing that, you know. She's a woman who's been living high on the hog all this time, and her husband's gone, and now how does she get that? Well, of course she's going to have a maid, right? That's just a natural uh, – that's the person she has access to. So that's her – Someone who doesn't that's her access to the outside world, basically. Someone who doesn't know how to cook or clean often uh, goes out and tries to find someone else to help around the, uh, the house with household chores or things of this nature. Well, like, but they're the maid. Like, what is, is she gonna take the 10 bucks like out of out of her purse? Like, no, she's getting these women to like she's quote doing... unquote invest their money. Like, yeah. oh, I've got this great investor, let me tell you all about him. And so yeah, that, and then they're like, oh, invest my money for me. And they give her their money. And then she takes it and kills them. You know, she's not really investing their money for them. She's just taking it. It made more sense, like, it made more sense explained like that, because, like, they did touch on that in the movie, but it just wasn't quite as... Again, it was all in the dialogue. It, it all of that me... was, like, if you didn't hear that conversation, you missed that piece of information. Well, it just bothered me because how much could they really have to invest if they're... <laughs> it, it feels like a cyclical argument, like, because these were older women. Well, that's why she kept going through them. And like one, maybe two, right? It was all... Uh, it, it was like four before uh, the last one, I think the... I forgot her name now. The, the one that she killed right before Aunt Alice 
insects came. It was like four. It's measured by however many trees were in her garden because she kept burying them under the trees. That so I think cool. it was like four. I liked or something that. Like that. I liked the thing. With the I trees. did too. The trees was cool. It reminded yeah. me. It reminded me of um, like Motel Hell or whatever. What? Farmer Vincent's Actually, to, to a degree, yeah. yeah. That, that, that is that is one of the things I was trying to think of, and you 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 got it you got it. My mind could not pull it for some reason out of my head. Another motion. Ah. Oh, an- you're welcome. <laughs> Except Motel had a hell of a fun factor to it. Um. There's another movie that uh, I'd like to mention that actually kind of has that garden kind of a twist, and it's a short f- uh, film by uh, 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 a guy who. Uh, uh, it was a black and white feature called That Little Monster, um, which uh, um, had a little ba- a baby that had to be t- taken care of, and the, uh, the parents uh, had to hire a babysitter every once in a while to take care of this child. Well, they hire someone, and, and uh, every time it doesn't work out, evidently, the babysitter gets, you know, planted in the garden. <laughs> so um, I think I remember something about that. Um, it was uh, directed by Paul Bunnell, who I've actually interviewed, who, which he also did the feature, The Ghastly Love of Johnny X, which was a science fiction musical that starred the guy who played... Tromeo in Tromeo and Juliet. Hmm. So, uh, but um, going back to the uh, this story, the re- uh, I guess I got uh, I felt the madness in this film. I felt the, uh, the uh, I felt like this had a violence to it that uh, that I wasn't used to in this kind of you know this kind of horror. And it's one of those rare acorns of films that uh, that I wanted to touch on. Be, uh, because you, I mean, yeah, I mean, at that point in time, uh, at this point in time, there was still, you know, people needing help, get uh, getting things done around the house. So what they would do is they would hire maids to help around the house, you know, and they were still mail order brides. And, Things of that nature. Uh, nature. Well, I think it's just very um, also goes along with her lifestyle, right? Well, didn't she come from money? I mean, that's something wealthy people just do. Well, anyway, whether you know, I think it, that plays into that, and also she was by herself, so naturally they call they even use the word companion. Um, it's not just a maid; she's not just there to clean. She's actually a companion. She's pouring the drinks, you know, at cocktail hour and putting on the music. And she's a companion to this widowed woman. So there's there's a level of intimacy there that I think the story plays on how um, she gets these women to trust her. Like they have a trusting relationship and then she kills them. Like they trust her enough to go plant trees in the dark because <laughs> it's the right time of day to do it. You know, like that's, I think it really... Um, plays to that the relationship that she builds with these women who, um, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of royalty, like how, you know, in royalty they have the, you know, the assistants or whatever the words are, the handmaids or whatever that dress them and do all that stuff, you know, kind of the same idea. Maybe that's why it felt so British to you, Dustin. 
it's more of it's more of the way people spoke and kind of the overall setting. Like it just it just had that Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> Very British. <I> know. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing felt stuffy and old. Let me just put it that way. The well, yes, it was from felt... 1969. I think you're feeling the age of the film. You're like, yeah. like those things are. There were probably... a lot of films from the 60s and 70s that were very stiff, but there, uh, there was also a violence to this film. I mean, you can. See... I was, I was trying to agree with that point earlier. Actually. Um, like she did have a very strong undercurrent of like menace to her, and I did appreciate that. Um, like that was done very well. Oh, her level of acting was uh, was quite well uh, done in this. It's uh, very, very much a, a Hitchcock style. Oh yeah, uh, I didn't like it. And and that's that's the difference between a lot of the older suspense films is that a lot of the suspense was not done as much in action as it was done in the storytelling and the dialogue. That, so you had to be a lot more invested. So, like, uh, for me, watching it half asleep, I'm surprised I got as much of the plot as I did. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's the problem, is that it really does take a lot. And it's, that's why it makes it very different. And that's a special thing out of those times, because they had to act it out. They couldn't rely on a lot of the effects. I well, mean... And a lot of people really, really got into storylines that then really put a lot of thought into watching some of these films instead of, instead of you know just going going there with your significant other while you're at the drive-through just to go and neck, you know. I mean, a lot, granted, that's what a lot of people went and did back in the fifties and sixties. <laughs> Their lovers to uh, to the uh, movies just to get out of the house. Yeah. Well, it's not like I can't appreciate a more like cerebral film. I mean, like some of my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies is M from Fritz, like from Fritz Lang. That's a 1931 movie. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's spectacular. Like it holds up great. Like it has a lot of depth to it, and a lot of things that are inferred, and I can appreciate that like all day, every day, like subtitles and all. It just sometimes things just don't work for me, and the comparison Brandon was making to Hitchcock, maybe that might be another reason I didn't like it because I tend to, I tend to really think Hitchcock is incredibly overrated. Like the only Hitchcock movies I actually like are Rear Window and Kind of the Birds, like, and well, and Rear Window is very similar to this in a sense too, but uh, stuff happens in Rear Window. It's exciting. Uh, and somebody made the comparison to Rosemary's Baby too, uh, which that's another movie that I just bores me to absolute tears. It's like I'm sitting there watching it and just like, oh god, this sucks. No wonder they kill his family. Uh, what? I like that movie, but I was not bored by it. <laughs> Five hours. Uh. It's not, it's, we wouldn't expect you to understand the journey of the pregnant mother, Justin. It's okay. The payoff was okay. The payoff was fine. The payoff mostly redeems it. I, I'm not going to pretend I know what the female experience is like, though. So I'm, I'm probably missing something. I think I just tend to appreciate the movies that 
that do reflect the female experience in a way that is maybe a little bit more unique or even more accurate. Like horror movies classically tend to really sexualize the female, which mm. I'm not complaining about it. It is what it is for horror, but it's really nice when there's a horror movie that doesn't do that. And I, I give a lot of credit to these older films because they really did. I mean, this movie here, there was a lot of character development that needed to happen. And um, there was a really dynamic main female lead old lady character. Like mm -hmm. it's just not something you see a heck of a lot in horror, um, especially modern horror. Um, I think uh, the visit is the most recent horror movie I can think of with, um, you know, some old people leading roles um which is i think from like 2015 or something um but for the most part we don't get a lot of that so i appreciate that in in the 60s they were really doing that and doing it well and these actresses were like knocking it out of the park well where you noticed ruth gordon uh, from rosemary's baby i noticed uh robert fuller uh uh, the, the actor who played Mike, um, mm -hmm. uh, the, the man in the story, uh, story. Uh, he uh, played the um, doctor who was on uh, a call uh, in emergency, uh, uh, the t uh, television show emergency, where wherever they went out on a call, he was the one who was stand uh, standing on the other end of the line telling them what to do. So... Uh, I don't know if anybody watched the, uh, that show. It was an ENT sh uh, show that was on yeah. in the 70s. I wanted to think about, I wanted to bring up the point, I mean, and uh, you had mentioned M, but, uh, and M is, again, it's a different, it's a different era. Um, the 60s were really the era of the Hitchcock thriller. And, um, and again, this was done in 1969, so it was the, uh, almost like the end of the Hitchcock era. Yeah, uh, it's still in there. It's still very much a child of that, and, and it reflects it much more than, it has much more in common with that than it does to the horror of the 70s. Would you say that um, the, the Hitchcock thriller is almost quite close to the Italian Gaello? Hmm. You know... I don't. I don't know if I would say. I would say they're parallel. I haven't really thought about that. That's a really interesting question. Yeah, good point. Because um, a lot of, I mean, a lot of films like Suspiria, uh, which we've already covered, have have had. You know, uh, they're considered Italian gaiolo, which is almost an art form in itself. You know, I mean. Well, it is an art form in itself. I mean. <laughs> I'm thinking of like think of something like Tenebre and compare that to like a Hitchcock style story. You yeah. guys and your pronunciations of Tenebre and Jolly are killing me over here. <laughs> Did I say it wrong? Yes. <laughs> In fact, there is a um, Dario Argento. Like darkness. Dario Argento's Darkness. There. There is a Dario Argento uh, oh, film that has something to do with Hitchcock, I believe, as well. So there is that uh, sort of variance in uh, artistic. I think they have very similar artistic feeling and like the way some other things are shot. Um, I, it's, it's hard for me to 
come up with the right words to describe this. This is where Dane would come in and, and <laughs> say what I'm thinking about uh, how the <laughs> darn it, Dane, where are you? Dane, um, where are you for like the intellectual movies to like apologize for them? <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah, there is a similarity. Um and I'm I'm sure that you know the Italian filmmakers got a lot of their influence from Hitchcock and the way that he composed films and the way he shot the scenes to build the suspense and stuff like that. Um, but I guess when, as just, you know, a normal person watching them, I definitely pick up on similarities between the two, but I liked what you said, Dustin, about it being parallel. I think yeah. that's probably more accurate. I, I, yeah, I, w I would definitely say that, yeah. especially since, uh, especially since I think, the America, Americanized version of the Italian Gaello is, is so strange a, a journey. Uh, so, I mean, there are there are differences in in thrillers, so to speak. To speak like you know? they're similar, but like their pacing and tone uh, seems to distinguish them. Um, plus, of course, the Italian ones actually show you things. Right, um, like they're that not. That was afraid. what I was gonna say. There, that's some actual gore being involved. Although there, there, uh, there are certain Italian gaiolos that I have come across where I, I, I can't obviously find a plot line whatsoever. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter as much. Like deep well, red. What's like, really going on in deep red? Just a lot of great music and cool deaths. <laughs> really I'm hearing the music from Teneb Tenebrae, right? Tenebrae, yeah. Fine. I'm hearing the music from Tenebrae in my head, like right now. Uh, I kind of want to. I'm totally gonna right do a burlesque routine to some some more Goblin, uh, probably Tenebrae or Deep Red, one of the two. I haven't decided, and I don't know when that's happening, but they're in my playlist because I just love those. What did anyone say? Of the child, uh, uh, the 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 son of the uh, next door lady. He was a nephew. There was nothing but widows and nephews in this movie, and I don't know what the purpose of him was really. Oh, um, just there to for like her do again. I feel like the 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 women have to be sort of attached to something, doing something, and that was like her the the other widowed lady who lived in the cottage. That was her thing to do was take care of this nephew of hers. See. I, I actually believe that the child had a significant purpose. Uh, the child was there to bring exposition and to bring forward the story, much like the yep. dog. It was kind of sad to compare the child and the dog, but they had a similar purpose. They were there to expose her for what she was. Um, without either one of those characters, I, I, I'll include the dog as a character just because I, I think- I felt like the dog for awesome. sure was exposing her. I didn't pick up on that with the kid though, but I see what you're saying. But there's, there's that attachment there. And of I course, just, a lot of the times they love that boy and their dog angle. In a oh film. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and, uh, I just love that one line like, ah, uh, oh, fuck, I can't remember the V word that she, it was like, Something, something. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Is, is, is she, uh, when, when the mother came over 
and uh, she said, "You vagrant bitch." Yeah, that was <laughs> it. <laughs> bitch. Like, how did I forget that? That was like the funniest, best part. <laughs> that was one of the be uh, best parts, but uh, but to me, one of the best uh, uh, parts, at least one of my favorite scenes, was when she uh, uh, when she was trying to get the dog to come into the garage or shed or uh, whatever, and when she got him inside, floor, she, yeah. she couldn't. Uh, she was not able to kill him, and and he was. You know, it, it was like uh, the aggressor had come uh, uh, come against someone who who had who, who actually could get away from her, you know, it, it, so, uh, so to speak. And ultimately, when she lit the place on fire, I believe it's the uh, the uh, the dog that saved the family, or you know, uh, you know, even though they don't exactly see it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My favorite part was when she tries to kill Mrs. Dimmock with the wheelchair. They're like using the wheelchair as a weapon. This is two <laughs> movies in a row now featuring wheelchairs. Last week, Freddie Lounge was on fire in the wheelchair. Yeah. This week, old ladies are using a wheelchair as a weapon. Yeah. I mean, no, uh, see, one of the things that, uh, uh, that I, uh, I noticed is... Uh, a lot of times, whenever me and my fiance are watching a movie, every time we notice a cat in a movie, we always say "cat," and there was no cat in here. So, so uh, I, uh, that's that's one. Quick digression: When I used to live with Andrew, like he would do that too, except he would do it for like any animal. And after a while, I started doing it, and it took forever to stop doing it. I'd like see the, I'd see my lizard cat. Ah, no, damn. <laughs> but uh, um, Red, if there was anything that you, uh, uh, any favorite moment that uh, that you had during uh, during the film, even though you thought it was slow at moments and you didn't really like it, was there a moment that you enjoyed? Um, I like the scenes where she she they actually showed her killing people. I mean, it was I. It was one of the first movies I've watched where there's a female killer. I haven't seen very many movies where it, it, there's been a female killer, so it was a good. It was it was a good movie to see where there's you know a different dynamic with a there being a female killer. I see so many movies where the killer is male, so this one seeing a female killer was interesting. Okay. So. Um... Ultimately, d after um, after discussing a little, uh, a little bit, uh, d does uh, has anyone changed their mind about how they view the film? It definitely has a lot more merit than I gave it credit for like, off the bat. Like I just think that you could have maybe done a little bit. I think you could have maybe done a better job of the concept, like made it a bit more proactive movie rather than like a super slow burn psychological thing. Or at least that's how it seems to come off to me now after hearing um, all the different interpretations that people had. Okay. Like, um, you had made like a Motel Hell-esque version of the story. I think it could have been pretty fucking cool. <laughs> well, it sounds like we could either get, uh, go Rosemary's ba uh, Baby or uh, Motel uh, Hell next. But... Uh, we, we, also, we also want to get a, a interview yeah, wrong. with a certain director, so um, I think we want to do 
a certain film that uh, Katie wants to do next week. Oh, yeah. She was so pretty. <laughs> so um, I'm thinking that we'll do that one. I kind of want to see that new movie called Revenge. Like, that looks cool from, like, the previews I've seen. Hmm. I haven't seen that, anything about that one. Uh, I just saw, like, a couple, like, clips and, like, trailers and stuff. Uh, from what I can tell, it's like an I spit on your grave kind of thing. Uh, okay. Except the, the thing I, the phrase I saw was that it's the I spit on your grave film to close out the genre or something like that. <laughs> so implying that they did a good enough job that you don't need to bother with any of the other ones. So, um, ultimately, was there anything else that anyone else? I read somewhere, I think it was on IMBD or whatever, that this was based off of a novel. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I can a, buy that. This was based off uh, off of a novel. I uh, believe it was uh, by Ursula Chris, uh, Curtis. Um, and uh, I believe it was called Something Garden. Uh, I'd have to uh, roll through the credits once again just to uh, just to see it. Like but, Angela's uh, Garden or whatever the lady's name was. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it was co uh, called something like that. Uh, like that. So. Uh, yeah, whenever I hear a title like that, I remember a joke from uh, I think it's early season of Family Guy. It's like the British are coming and they're taking our stuff. What are they going to take next? Our action movies, and then it cuts to like a trailer. Sylvester Stallone. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I remember Cecil. And they're like in a paddle boat. You are the wind that gives me wings. <laughs> a Bet Midler vibe. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this lady was wishes she was as cool as Bet Midler. <laughs> yeah, actually, I would like to see what they would do with this plot uh, under a current uh, time director. And uh, writer, I'd be I'd be curious as to how they would do it. Um, I would as well, uh, yeah, because uh, I think I think uh, uh, it, it, they did a really good job with Bates Motel and their storyline on you know you know the the plot lines behind Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. So, I didn't see the rest of that. Like, I saw the first episode of the season and then kind of left it at that. Like, it was good. It was just, like, long. See, Psycho was a good series as well uh, of movies. I liked most of those movies. I have not seen the series, though. I saw the first couple episodes, but I just couldn't get into it. <laughs> All right. So is there anything else that any anyone else wanted to add about the film before we close out the discussion. So my favorite song from the soundtrack is Heartbeat. Like I listen to it at, in the gym all the time and it's such a great song to close out the movie with because it's like yeah you've suffered and you've been traumatized but it's going to be okay. You made it. <laughs> oh, we're I thought it kind of the movie well? kind of abruptly ended. I don't know if anyone noticed that how at the end they could I thought the ending could have been I don't know. I just, it was like abruptly ended, you know? Yeah, it was just like over credits. 
See, I, I just picture them ending with that. The I, I can only picture it ending the way like 1408 ended with that song, We've Only Just Begun. <laughs> <laughs> There's something of that nature. Yeah, I could de uh, definitely see uh, see that happening. <laughs> something with the uh, the Carpenters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, all righty. Well, um, I think on that note, we will close out the discussion and uh, um, start with uh, Brandon. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and where you're from? Oh, yes. Uh, I run a uh, YouTube channel, Acceptance vs. the World. Um, we're all about physical media on our page, um, typically doing collection videos, uh, keeping out information about what's coming out for the week. And uh, occasionally we review movies and um, have uh, been uh, collaborating with this channel uh, to do some uh, movie discussions as well. Um, matter of fact, we had one uh, this week, uh, just yesterday, for the uh, movies Cat Soup and uh, Dead Leaves. <laughs> I also got into a few, a few other discussions uh, while we were at it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, it was good to get everybody, uh, it was good to get uh my uh, co-host in on that discussion. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, it was definitely a good me uh, meeting, I, I think. So uh, uh, do you have anything else pl uh, planned uh, in the future? Oh, yeah. That's right. Um, next uh, next week before the sh uh, uh, show, uh, we will be going on and discussing three animated short films uh, from Finland. So uh, <laughs> definitely uh, uh, check that out. But Katie, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do, where you're from? Sure. I'm Katie Cadaver from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'm a body positive horror artist and alternative model. You can find me at patreon.com slash Katie Cadaver or on Instagram at third eye open. That's three R-D-E-Y-E-0-P-E-N. I'm also the makeup artist for horror punk band Ratbat Spider. You can listen to them at ratbatspider.bandcamp.com. And as well, I am a dead girl for Duggar's Dark Coffin Classics horror TV show. And you, you can watch the show at vimeo.com slash ddcc. I also perform and produce for Grindhouse Tees Burlesque Productions out of Milwaukee. You can find us on facebook.com slash grindhouse tees. And I recently, recently became an editor for Movies Galore of Milwaukee. And I think you can probably still find uh, my first review of Adam LaHoulier's romantic comedy, The Backslide, um, on the Facebook page and the blog. Awesome. Uh, Red Raven, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and where you're from? I'm Red Raven. I'm from Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and I'm a promoter in the Milwaukee area. And I'm also a Dead Girl on uh, Dead Girl's Dark Coffin Classics. And then we, I also have a show coming up uh, June 17th at The Frequency with Repaid in Blood, H1Z1, Chewing Teeth, and Skyla. And that'll be one of the last shows that they're hosting up there. Uh, before the place, the frequency closes down on uh, June 30th. Awesome. And uh, definitely check that out, folks. Uh, definitely sounds like a awesome vendor. Um, Dustin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? I'm in the GIS program at UW-Milwaukee, and I'll be finishing that up this semester. Uh, so, it's exciting. Uh, I'm a 
horror collector from Milwaukee um, who just loves talking about movies. You can see me attempt to post the ridiculous amount of stuff I have on my Instagram, uh, DHR Hunter. Uh, so I have a lot of plans for the summer for actually getting more things on there. Uh, I'm going to reopen my eBay store pretty soon and start selling off the extras. Um, I am also supposed to be an editor for Movies Galore, but there's been no time this semester. However, that's going to change, and I'm going to go totally nuts on you guys with reviews. <laughs> I have a review of The Beast, about 70-ish percent done, um, where I talk about the movie and also the biological accuracy of the creature in the movie. And then that's the first of several monster movies that I want to look at. And I've got a whole list, and I'm really excited. So, like, let's see, what do we have? Here, I'm just looking at titles off in the corner. We've got, we've and, got again, and again, Pelicus. It's gonna be fun. Review wise, it's very different doing uh, movies uh, uh, where you don't know the directors. When you do know the directors, it's a little different. <laughs> well, I don't know anybody. We don't know anybody involved in like the stuff that I want to talk about. But no. we can try to fix that. <laughs> Actually, I do have like a little bit of a surprise that everybody's going to have to wait to hear about, um, except for, well, the planning stages of this. <laughs> Taking uh, that cryptic information. Uh, inviting uh, Steven Spielberg so we can talk about Jaws? <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, much more small scale than that, um, but it's like a real thing. Um, that the guy said he'd be willing to do. Cool. Alrighty. Well, uh, my name after the broadcast. My name is David Stregi. I'm your host for the uh, the season. Uh, thank you once again for coming uh, coming back and discussing this uh, film with me. It was uh, one of my my f uh, f uh, favorites. So uh, I know it's it's not entirely up there, but I had actually forgotten about it until I'd thought about it. So, um, uh, but, uh, thank you for taking that journey with me and me and hopefully the listeners out there have enjoyed our discussion about the characterization in the, in the film. And e even though some of us didn't necessarily like it in the end, but we love was... all 12 of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Ha ha ha! Twelve listeners, nice. Uh, I know, all right? Hey, we actually have fifty-six subscriptions to our YouTube. So that's pretty decent. So, um, and uh, whenever I post these to the page, uh, sometimes we get about two hundred views. So. It's an exclusive company. We're kicking butt. Yeah, we're we're, we're uh. starting to. I mean, it's it's a time. You know, it it, it grows over time mm -hmm. all of a sudden people start lo uh, looking at you uh, uh, and going hey that sounds pretty cool although they're not exactly you know into you know the radio style you know type of listening they're uh, they, uh, they're more looking into the video aspect of things sometimes. i'm i think it'll be funny later <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think we'll grow. We'll grow. We'll grow. And once we're on Apple Podcasts app, right? Then we've made it. Well, yeah. Um. Ultimately, eventually, our episodes go up on Podcast Garden, which uh, allows me to put them onto iTunes. 
So, uh, so we're, we are on iTunes. I just have to figure out that that information, uh, uh, information and put more episodes up on podcast garden. So, <laughs> well, and then you can have people rate you in Apple podcasts and with every rating, it bumps your visibility within that app. Oh yeah, most definitely. Well, just- regardless of that, I have a great time doing this and you know, my ultimate end goal, my, my biggest ambition for this is that we get to somehow have somebody like Robert Englund on. Like that's my end of the line goal. Like <laughs> so, I'm a great time either way. You never know. I mean, people uh, have these connections that come on. If you watch some of the ones, uh, some of the bigger channels, like the movie collector channels, like uh, What Movie One or or, or Cool Dude, or when they uh, go on, uh, they had started off with a lot of small-time directors and uh, eventually they got to meet, um, well, bigger time, not necessarily big time, like uh, Danny Trejo is a good example. Um, Uh, I know we could maybe, maybe somehow get Lloyd Kaufman at some point in time. I could probably get Lloyd. I can schmooze a few people, maybe, perhaps. I still need to get him to sign something for me. Ah, losing my uh, That was your epic fail of the day. <laughs> Wait, you didn't get anything bad. signed by him? I felt bad. I thought, all I, that way him, and... I thought I was keeping him from his bathroom break. Like, I didn't want to, like, make him, uh... I was trying to be nice. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> Justin's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I want to get this signed. I'm like, you should do it now. And he's like, no, I'll come back later. And then he came back later and Lloyd was gone. Oh. <laughs> I missed him by, like, three minutes. Bullshit. Yep. <laughs> uh, he could have pissed some toxic fluid on you and and r- r- wrote his name in blood or something. Well, I, I did get to uh, talk to the guy who does that horror comic series that I talk about a lot, and I could maybe, maybe get him to come on and talk about horror comics in, like, a special thing like we did with Phil Rabane. Um, like, I have his contact info, and I just need to write the email and hope he remembers me. He should remember me. Like he was pretty into my costume. Like he took pictures. <laughs> so. I'm gonna be meeting Bruce Campbell this summer. I'll see if I can get him to come on. <laughs> Where at uh, a convention? He's gonna, yeah, he's gonna be at a whorehound in Indianapolis. Oh, oh nice. Now that you're yeah, I'm excited. I'm hanging out with Adam two Green. Two people on my bucket list. And uh, Tom Savini and Bruce Campbell are both going to be at Mask Fest and Horhon. So now that oh, wow. are you going to that thing in Texas with Kane? Now that you what? might be a full-time reviewer, now you can get a chance to start meeting some people. <laughs> well, I've been meeting people, but yeah, I could actually talk about it maybe. <laughs> in any case. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna stop the broadcast and hopefully everyone uh, laid bare all our hopes and dreams. <laughs> subscribe, uh, so definitely check us out. Who is it? It's Little Nero, sir. I have your pizza. Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. Okay. Um. Well, what about the money? What money? Well, you'd have to pay for your pizza, sir. That effect. How much do I owe you? Uh, that'll be eleven eighty, sir. Keep the change, you filthy animal.
cheapskate. Hey, I'm gonna give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. One, two, ten. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.